You've just entered the Disaster Tough podcast, the place for emergency managers, first responders, and humanitarians who want to get the job done. Stories, lessons, and tips are provided by field experts. This show is owned and operated by professional emergency managers at Doberman Emergency Management. We apply disaster tough logic by protecting life, property, and business continuity through planning, mitigation, and training. Check us out at DobermanEMG.com or click on the show notes. Radio comms just got a major breakthrough with the L3 Harris XL Extreme 400P. It's the newest and toughest radio out there. Built by their space and tactical teams, the XL Extreme series can take a beating. 1,700 degree blast of heat, repeated 3 meter drops, rain, salt water, you name it. The XL Extreme series by L3 Harris can take it. Visit L3Harris.com to schedule your demo today. The battle to monitor and contain COVID-19 just got exponentially better for us. We are officially introducing an electronic reusable, yes, reusable COVID-19 test through our sponsors. It's called the COVID Plus Test, created by Tiger Tech, distributed by FS Global. This is the first FDA-authorized, rapid, non-invasive pre-screener. It's extremely easy to use. Forget those one-time use swabs. This is a disaster-tough technology. For more information on the COVID Plus test, check out our show notes. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. We're kicking off National Preparedness Month with the man, the myth, the legend, Pete Gaynor. If you, if you recall, he's been on the show before. He led FEMA. He's also acting head of DHS during the transition between presidencies. So he's a whole wealth of knowledge. He's being hit by Ida right now up there in the Northeast. Hopefully he's going to be okay. Pete, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Good to be back. Thank you. Hey, it's always a good time talking to you. You know, you have a, a wealth of knowledge and experience and, um, you know, National Preparedness Month where our spin is taking it from preparing emergency managers. You know, we always talk about external facing, preparing the public. I think that's kind of the traditional sense. But as we as emergency managers talking to emergency managers, I think we have the great opportunity to, to talk about that this month. But I want to back up real quick because I'm calling 2021 now the year of repeat because we've had so many incidents. I mean, talk about, you know, Hurricane Ida itself hitting on the anniversary of, you know, Hurricane Katrina. We're seeing the rise of ISIS and the Taliban, which is a whole other scenario that we have to deal with now. Uh, we can choose to get into that or not get into that, however you feel. Um, we had, you know, catastrophic um, wildfires that are happening right now that are still record breakers. It's, it's like COVID still happening. It's like the year of repeat. It's, it's really frustrating as an emergency manager. What is your take on just, you know, the, the, the year of repeat idea? Is your, do you have similar thoughts or? Yeah, well, I was hoping for a year of common peacefulness in, in 2021 as we, you know, say goodbye to COVID-19. And we will, and we'll get there. Um, you know, it's one of these things that we have to continually be aware of and defend against uh, and encourage people to get vaccines, right? It's, you know, look, at, and it, you just have to look at the stats. Uh, you know, the majority of people that are in hospitals uh, with uh, Delta are people that are aren't vaccinated. So it's just, you know, Get, get the vaccine, you know, protect yourself and your family. Uh, and then it's everything else that's happened, right? And I, and I think you, you, you know, hit the nail on the head about 
you know, what, what do emergency managers have to worry about or have to prepare for? And, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's all the natural, it's all the natural disasters. So, you know, hurricanes, wildfires, flooding, right? We got to still do all that. Uh, you're going to do all the human caused disasters like hazmat incidents and oil spills and uh, contaminated drinking water, and then technological disasters like bridge collapses and dam failures and train crashes, right? All those things kind of in the, you know, in the wheelhouse for emergency managers. Uh, and then you, and then you look at 2020, uh, 2021, um, it's, it's, um, it's uh, pandemics, it's supply shortages, right? Uh, medical supply shortages, civil unrest. Uh, you know, uh, when you talk about FEMA, and, uh, you know, unemployment insurance, who thought FEMA would be in, in unemployment insurance business, uh, immigration, border crises, and you mentioned it most recently, uh, Afghan resettlement, right? So it's, it's, it's never, you know, it's a never ending gift is, you know, uh, how do we get, get ourselves out of this? Well, you call your emergency manager and they're going to help you coordinate and integrate and guide you to the end, right? So uh, no longer is it just, you know, you know, the human caused and man-made and, and technological, it's all the other things. And I think that is really what the future holds for emergency managers. It's going to be much, much more than, you know, the traditional post civil defense kind of world that we all kind of grew up in. It's good. It, it, it is now changing to something different. Yeah, I agree. I think that the field is rapidly changing for basically two different reasons. One, the frequency of disasters and how it impacts systems. And two, I think, well, I think there possibly is three, the, the third, there's a third reason there too. But, you know, outside of frequency, you have a general public who's much more aware of the role of emergency management um, and seeing how, one, how public health really wasn't the mechanism of that, um, of doing a response specifically. And then I guess the third one is education. You know, this, this idea that you retire and then you get this cushioned job is, is you know, you focus on evacuations. If you're a fire, if, you, if you're a police, you focus on, you know, physical security. I think that that world is kind of dead. And so between education and the general public's perspective uh, and what they think that we do versus what we do, I think, you know, I'm one of those people who actually thinks we should cater to what they think we should do. Um, because, you know, you want to build their confidence in what we say. And so, like, there's this idea that we shouldn't be in response, I think, is just absurd to me. Um, but, you know, uh, that's, a, that's just my perspective. But, yeah, you're right. It, it's changing dramatically, for yeah. sure. I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, you'll, you'll never get out of response. And, you know, it, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, emergency management that respond, you know, uh, in, in a tactical way. In some cases you may, depending on where you, you know, how you set up in your jurisdiction, you know, FEMA has uh, tactical assets like USAR and, uh, you know, generator teams that, you know, we will respond out there and, and, and many more things. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, uh, it's, you know, responses short and uh, uh, the hard thing is recovery. And, and so let's just, let's just go back down to uh, the Gulf coast and uh, Ida and Louisiana. Uh, now that now, you know, responses is still happening, right? They're still clearing roads. We're getting, uh, uh, um, you know, power back on. We're trying to keep people in their homes. All those, all those things are happening, but it, it, it soon is, and it is right now, it is recovery, right? And that is the, that is the long pole in the tent. And I, and I, and I may have said this in our last, uh, our last chat is that, you know, as a profession, we have to become much better at recovery because that's where it counts, right? And that's, and that's I think, ultimately, 
you know, you get scored on, on response, but you know, as, as a nation, we, we're, we're great responders, you know, police, fire, public works, public health, you know, the response in the moment, we're really good at it, you know, uh, in, in the moment uh, throughout the nation. Uh, when, when it comes to recovery, uh, we really have to up our game on it. And I think if you, if you want to be, uh, if you want to have an emergency management program uh, that is first class, right, uh, you have to do all those things, but you really have to do recovery well. And so, uh, again, I think the, the, the dynamic is changing a little bit. Still do response. But I think we're ultimately going to get graded on how well recovery went and how and how did we prepare for recovery? Right. Mm -hmm. You just don't walk in recovery without a plan. Right. You have to have a, you have to have all those things. And so we have to make a, a, a better investment as a as a community and as a profession when we come when it comes to recovery. Tell you what, as a professional planner, especially an emergency planner, there has been a lot of instances lately that have seemingly happened without a plan. And um, that has been um, really, really tough to, to watch and to just like observe and to say like, I know we can do this better. Like we, we have the capability, we have the intelligence, we have, you know, the situational awareness, we have all these things in place to be able to make better decisions. And so, you know, a great call out for emergency managers, you know, this month, especially is get better yeah. at planning for the plan, you know, planning for the recovery yeah. uh, for sure. Yeah, a, a while, a couple of years ago, I, I got to hear um, uh, Rudy Giuliani, who was the mayor of New York City during 9-11, just talk about the, the opening hours of 9-11. And, and, uh, and I may not have all my facts straight, but generally they had just done an exercise in the past couple of weeks, a big exercise in hospitals and, mm. and tested all their plans. And, you know, when, when planes went, went into buildings, so we're headed into the 20th anniversary. So when planes went into buildings, you know, he looked at his staff and he said, you know, do we have a plan for this? And, and the answer was no, we don't have a plan for a plane going in a building. We have a plan for lots of other things, but we don't have a plan for a plane going into a building. And then he, 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 uh, he, he said, I, it, it took a little bit, you know, a few minutes where he said, well, we're like, I'm screwed. I don't have a plan for a plane in the building. Therefore, how am I going to respond? And then he realized, right. He took, you know, he says he took a deep breath and, and, you know, looked at his staff and says, well, we have all the other bits and pieces that we can use, right? Not necessarily play into a building, but bits and pieces that we can use to get ourselves out of that. And that's essentially, right? As you know, and, and, and I'm a, I'm, you know, I love planning and, and I'm a believer in, you know, the thing that you plan for today is not the thing that's gonna happen tomorrow, right? So you're gonna have to be ready for the thing that you haven't planned for exactly. And I think that's the beauty of emergency management. We are problem solvers. And if we don't have the full robust plan, we're going to cherry pick from the things that we have done in the past to include plans and, and procedures and tactics and all those kind of things to get ourselves out of it. That's the, I think essentially that is the beauty of an emergency manager that they can do those kinds of things when it counts. So this happened with you last time. It's a problem for me because we always try to find like a quote from the show. And as soon as you say emergency managers are problem solvers, it's like drop the mic, yeah. walk out of the yeah, room. Yeah. It's true. Like you try to explain to people what emergency management is and you say protecting life, property and continuity of operations, but no one really knows what it is, but like problem solving, that's the job. You have yeah. this chaotic situation happen and hopefully you know who your stakeholders are. You know who, you know, the, what the resources are, you, you know who to call in the time of that crisis. And you, all of a sudden you start putting the pieces together. You walk through a response, you start to walk through a recovery. My big thing right now is mitigation. 
um, mitigate before the disaster. Disasters are still going to happen. That's just the nature of the world we live in. And how do you apply great mitigation techniques to the recovery process? You know, as a former FEMA guy, you can see my sign in the background, you're a former FEMA guy. I really didn't think that we did recovery that well because, you know, we had to build back to what it was most in most cases. But in my mind, that's just as vulnerable as it was before the, the, the event happened. And so how do we apply better building codes? Here's a great example, Coffee Park. So I went out to the Dixie Fire like two weeks ago. I, re I responded to uh, the, the Napa fires in 2017. Yep. And I saw basically the new cabin. That's what I call it because it was just field of ash. And when I went into Coffee Park, they, they had chosen not to put commercial sprinklers on the roof. That is, is code in Arizona for wildfires. And I'm like, your entire neighborhood just burned down. You already have, you know, vegetation just down the road again. And they chose not to do it. And I'm like, man, that's, that's just stupid. You know, as a single pipe to the top of your roof could have saved an entire neighborhood if it happens again. What is your take on that? Is that an extreme view? Is that a not extreme view? Like, what is your, what is your take? Well, you know, um, you, you know, out there, there are some uh, organizations that their plan is, uh, my plan is to wait for till FEMA arrives and they're going to help me out of my problem. Right? That, yeah. That's like part of their plan. Uh, and, and I don't, I, I boohoo that all day long, right? I, I think you have a moral obligation uh, as an emergency manager, whether you're a local tribe, territory, state, county, federal, right? You have a, you have a moral obligation to do all those things uh, to keep your community safe, right? And, and, hmm. But to have a plan that says, oh, we'll just go wait for the feds to get here because that they can do it all is a, is a bad plan because we've learned uh, that, you know, and again, take the pandemic, the federal government cannot do it all. It's, an, it's, it's virtually impossible when you have a true natural disaster, you know, uh, emergency in every state, you know, a hurricane in every state, major disaster uh, overnight that, uh, that the federal government doesn't have the resources to it. And so the only way that we're successful is that the whole entire community works together. So local, state, federal all work together. And, and if you own it, you own it. And, mm -hmm. and so I've had the opportunity to work for two mayors, a governor and a, and a, and a, and a president. Uh, and, uh, you know, I told my mayors that, hey, we, we own what we own, right? Uh, we're not going to wait for the state to come rescue us. Or we're not going to defer to the state. We're not going to defer the feds. There may be a, a time and place where we run out of resources and that's and that's how it's worked right you, you, you go to get resources mm -hmm. so you know we, we have to take responsibility for the things that we that we own so um next big disaster uh it's gonna it, it's gonna and it's coming don't worry right it's gonna it's gonna be something that we haven't planned for or we yeah. planned for but you know we all kind of say that will never happen right that's too it's too crazy um so you know we, we have to we have to do a better job and we, and we have to hold ourselves accountable right um in, in doing so and just don't paint over you know it's like hey we're gonna put a fresh coat of paint on this and we're gonna say oh we're, we're, we're all fresh we really have to get down and dirty about how we plan and prepare and and what we think the apps the uh the, the results of that may be uh when we're faced with the challenge um uh, i think the opportunity is now especially based on at covid and everything else is uh, mercy managers across the country really have to have a a heart-to-heart -heart talk with their elected leaders about uh, what what's going to happen next, and 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 who owns what, right? Just don't wait for the federal government to show up because uh, that is a plan that will fail.
Okay, so I usually stay away from this topic because it's like it's like the, the nail in the coffin type of topic, politics. Yeah. But I mean, uh, you you have a ton of experience. You just mentioned it: two mayors, governor, president. You talk about accountability. I feel like right now, with a lot of different di- different disasters, there's not a lot of accountability. It's like, well, this will this will blow over, you know. Well, you know, the, the obvious one that probably nobody wants to talk about, and you know, we can skip it if you want. But oh, there was a terrorist attack at the airport. Where we're trying to evacuate people, and what was what was the response to that? It was like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna find the planner and blow up one building and move on. And I'm like, but there's still people in danger, you know? And so like, is it like my frustration is like at an all time high and I'm not a veteran, you know, I come from a family of veterans. Thankfully you're a veteran. Thank you for your service. But it's just so frustrating to to think about that. And now when I talk to clients or I talk to friends in the field, or I talk to other friends who are actually responding to Ida right now. So big shout out to them. I'm like, when I talk to pretty much everyone's the same thing. Well, I guess it's time to brush off the, you know, counterterrorism plans you know what do we do in a terrorist attack and it's like man it's so frustrating can you can you provide some wisdom or insight to the audience who might be feeling yeah so so i'm i'm a i'm a i'll I'll try to keep my my um my composure uh so uh, you know i'm a retired marine spent 26 years in the marine corps so what happened uh last week really pisses me off right it's totally unnecessary Uh, we could have done it another way and we're not done in Afghanistan, right? <laughs> Just because we're not there, uh, if people think we're done there, they're, they're, they're wrong. And, they, and I think part of the problem, and I think this is like the American laziness, right? When it comes to politics, it's not really, there, there, are, there are some in, in uh, government, right? Congress, um, governors, but you know, we're talking about you know, uh, yeah. Congress senators and congressmen and women. Uh, that are not there for the long term, for the long haul. They're there for the short term gain, right? What can I, what can I get out of this? And, and this just sounds really bad, right? About how, you know about how 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 politics works in America, but it's true. Yeah. What's my short term gain uh, out of this? And not really uh, think about uh, what the long term. You know, how can I improve it in the long term? And and and, and you know, part of my my displeasure with uh, uh, you know being in D.C. Uh, and having and, and I'm not I'm not fabricating this number. Hundreds of conversations with uh, elected leaders, mm. uh, con- mostly uh, congressmen and senators, about what FEMA has done, what FEMA's doing, what FEMA did. They, they, no, no one ever called me to say, "Hey, good job, FEMA." Right? No, no one. I, maybe <laughs> one. Maybe that was like they had a bad day. But everyone's calling you about how how bad you did, uh, and mm. and 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 if they had, um, if they had a long term view of uh hey and and, and fema did you know so we just we do we do much greater things much better things uh than than we get credit for we do th- uh, screw some things up it's just the nature of the business mm-hmm. um but uh in all those conversations it's, it's it's a short term it's a nine second blurb about what fema did uh how bad they are and uh we're going to hold you accountable and then it and then it's all over and then no one wants to talk about, hey, you, you, made, you made a mistake, but let me help. How can I help you make FEMA better, not just in the, in the short term, right, in the, in the 24, 48 hour news cycle, but in years to come? How can, I, how can we make a better 
FEMA, and this is just not applies to FEMA, probably applies to every federal organization out there, but how can we make you better to get better results, better efficiencies, uh, all those kind of things that as taxpayers we expect. So, um, so yeah, uh, the politicians are in for the short-term gain. Um, it, it, it's, um, it, it, it's maddening sometimes. And again, we think about what happened in Afghanistan. Uh, it is completely unnecessary. I could have done it a, a, a totally different way. Yes. And, you know, we, we lost lives for, for absolutely no reason, right? No reason. Yes, Sen- senseless death. You know, yeah. it's, I did a lot. So I, I also lived in D.C. I worked for different ABC agencies. I don't get into it too much on the show. But one of the reasons why I actually liked going over to FEMA, even though FEMA does do the man-made stuff and the national team does prepare for large-scale catastrophic terrorist activities, and I've done plenty of those trainings, whatever, Majority of the majority of the responses, I think uh, Joe Delamuro said it best. He said, we're basically a hurricane agency. Right. And so like it was kind of it makes more sense in my brain that if somebody chose to stay in a hurricane and unfortunately they died, like I could reconcile that a little bit better than a terrorist attack. A lot, a lot of it better. Right. Especially when something's preventable. Um, you know, I was just talking to a friend about this yesterday. It's like we're not talking about you know, 25 different countries that also have humanitarian, major humanitarian issues. We're talking about the U.S. actions and U.S. laziness. I actually like that a lot. U.S. way to say that um, of just like things that we could have done that we can do that we chose not to do. And, uh, you know, I, I said this to a couple of politicians, maybe probably I shouldn't have. But it's like one of those things is like, oh, you thought you could do a better sit in the seat because every single time a politician sits in the seat, they yeah. screw it up. Oh, yeah. who knew? Like somebody who does this for a living, who's who, who's focusing on this on the every day, probably will do it better. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I've had I, I've had many many of those moments uh, being uh, yelled at by by uh, elected leaders, and and I never said it to them. But I yeah, you're okay. That's I, why you're I, you're ahead of FEMA, and I never will be. <laughs> yeah, I'll be happy to trade seats with you, and and you go, you come do it, right? And so I have, you know. Uh, you know, people, you know, rock throwers and, and naysayers uh, it never really bothered. It never, I don't think I really bothered me before, but after my tour at FEMA, uh, I have I have disdain for uh, those that just throw, uh, uh, you know, words around uh, for whatever purpose with mm. without a purpose. Right. Without a purpose, just to get a rise or to get a quote or to get a reaction. Right. I, I have I have disdain for those people uh, that do that because. What I really want you to do, right? If I screwed up, tell me I screwed up. I'm, I'm a big boy. And then help me get to where I need to be, right? Uh, just don't throw stones and walk away and say, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see where it all goes. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's a uh, Yeah, it's we can talk about this forever. That, that, that DC, yeah. My, here's my last comment on, on all of that. It's like when people um, say do more than thoughts and prayers, and I have to remind people that, Hey, did you know faith equals, uh, you know, hope plus action? And so if you are praying with faith, that means you are intending to do something. And so anytime I hear uh, a politician say, like, I'm praying for it, I'm like, well, then where's your action? And, and so like, that's really what it comes down to religious or not religious do something. You know, I, uh, I like what Rodney Melsick, my old boss would say, he also now works at Doberman and we're lucky to have him. And he would say, doing something is always better than doing nothing. And because uh, you know, especially in emergency response. And so in, in that vein, pulling it back over to 
to us, uh, I'm glad you feel the same way because you have all that experience and you're definitely a leader. A lot of people are going to listen to that and agree with that. I think for our end, for our action, again, not trying to become a political show, but holding elected leaders official, you know, uh, accountable, choosing to do something obviously legally, you know, polls and 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 voting and all that, and so uh, calling them up, berating them, saying, "Hey, this isn't going to help you out long term." I think that's kind of what's needed. I'm not really an activist kind of guy, but man, they just don't listen. And so like, uh, talk about that forever. So <laughs> national preparedness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good, tra- I think the good transition from do something, right? So national yeah. preparedness month is about doing something. It starts today, runs through the end of, end of September. Love it. Uh, there's, there's four themes uh, uh, throughout the, throughout the, um, uh, the month. And, uh, you know, we've all seen the themes, make a plan, build a kit, uh, low cost, no cost preparedness and teach about teach about preparedness. But uh, so let me just give you like my one of the things I try to do at FEMA. And, and, I, and I think I got a little sidetracked with COVID and other things. Uh, I, I, I had uh, so I have, you know, at FEMA, there's, there's a resilience branch who is owns preparedness and ready.gov and all those kind of things. Right. All the things that we do year round. Uh, and, you know, so it's good that we bring uh, awareness, preparedness in September, but preparedness needs to be a year round thing, just not, you know, one month out of the year. And I know we have programs through the year at FEMA and, and, and I'm sure it's like this across the country and, you know, uh, local and state emergency managers that, you know, have a theme or have a focus throughout the, throughout the year. Uh, but what, one of the things I challenge the staff with is, hey, uh, let's, we haven't, we haven't, and this is just FEMA and I think nationally, right? Uh, you know, emergency managers as a whole. You know, we really haven't found that solution that promotes preparedness, that changes the culture, uh, like a marketing strategy and something that sticks with people, right? We haven't figured that out. And I, and I, and I relay to the staff is like, hey, how come we can't get a, 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 a uh, you know, preparedness campaign like, the seatbelts, right? Uh, if you remember way back, and you're probably too young, like Ralph Nader wrote a book, uh, "Unsafe at Any Speed," right? Mm-hmm. Click it or ticket, and click it or ticket. I grew up with that, right? Yeah. Right, Cl- kind of changed the culture, right? And, and yeah, when's the last time you were in a car with somebody that refused to wear a, a seatbelt? I, I can't even remember like driving with somebody that uh, I don't wear seatbelts. It's it's you know it's against my religion or it's against you know what, yeah. like, whatever, right? It doesn't exist. Quitting smoking, right? Uh, you know, CDC has a great uh, and has had a, you know, a series of great ones. But, you know, tips from smokers, you know, the one you see on TV, it, it's like you, you, you know, and yeah. smoking has taken a dive. Right. Uh, wildfires. We all grew up with Smokey the Bear. Only you can prevent firefights. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and then, you know, Nike, uh, Nike, just do it. Right. It's just, these, these things we need a we we need a campaign, a a uh, marketing strategy that people like connect with, right? Uh, But when it comes to preparedness, we haven't figured it out yet. Uh, So again, uh, I I challenged the crew to to do that, Uh, you know, made some strides, but I think as a nation, as like a, you know, a a platform for emergency managers, we really need to have the, you know, click it or ticket kind of campaign, you know, only you can prevent wildfire campaign that makes people prepare year round. And we haven't done it yet. We have to figure it out because we won't, yeah. we won't change the culture if we don't do it. 
Uh, okay, I can, I can provide two perspectives on that real fast. Yeah. FEMA will never be popular in my beloved OHIO state because yeah. it's freaking blue and yellow. You want to do any kind of branding with FEMA? I, I told this to when I was at Georgetown on my master's, you know, somebody came up for external affairs and said, hey, nobody wants to even put up the FEMA like preparedness, anything in their stores because it's blue and yellow. It's just not going to happen. And so like just even thinking about your own branding, I understand it's a federal agency or whatever, but hey, screw Michigan. Like Michigan sucks. So that's what I'm saying. Like you can't have you can't have like Satan's colors like in my storefront. But uh, going on that religious thing. But, uh, you know, the other thing is, uh, I'm pretty sure we did find the slogan, by the way, become disaster tough. Uh, it, it should be the national it's, it's, slogan. It's a start. It's a start, right? It's, it's a start. A start. <laughs> you know what, though? Like, that's what, I've been, that's what I've been thinking about. Like, that's interesting. You talk about marketing. I thought it, of, it's all it's all about marketing. It's, it it's nothing. It's nothing more than that. Think, just think about all the successful campaign, like like commercial campaigns, all the you know, uh, Wendy's, where's the meat, right? I mean, all these things that like yeah. we take for granted now, we need a kind of Wendy's, where is the meat thing that gets people to say, oh, I have, I, I have to do that. I have to put my seatbelt on. I have to prepare. Did you see those people in Louisiana? Well, you know, were they prepared for that? Do I want to be, do I, do I want to be without power for 60 days? So um, yeah, we, we need to get, we need to get, we need to hire some really great uh, Wall Street uh, marketing people spend a bunch of money and, and come up with a campaign that that everyone understands and that can get behind. I agree. Uh, FEMA, you're welcome to hire me at any time to help you out with that. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, I mean, I, I brought up another man. You, you're bringing up so many different topics. Uh, COVID, COVID-19 response has been a marketing nightmare. Um, talk about uh, marketing. I agree with you. Most, most of it is just, you know, turning something into common sense. Oh, this is what I was going to ask you about. Do you have a, I'm not saying you point blank. Do you have a marketer for your LinkedIn posts? Do you, do you team up with somebody at Lero to do that? Uh, yeah, I have a, I have a marketing person that helps me, but I, I generally do all like I do all the work, you know, okay. themes and stuff and they, and they check my spelling and grammar and, and make it pretty and do the graphics. No, but I, yeah. Got so, it. Yeah, I kind of I kind of pick what I want to talk about based on what's going on. The, um, so yeah, the I thought you actually had a brilliant marketing uh, concept is like using sarcasm. Yeah, so I love sarcasm. Yeah, you're basically like, hey, don't don't have a plan. It's hurricane season. You said that at the beginning. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I swear, like, I saw it. A lot of my friends saw. People were texting me about it. Pete Gaynor, like, he's like, you know, telling people not to have a plan. It's hilarious. It, it, it caught people's attention. And so I'm like, man, that's a, yeah. It's yeah. A, hey, listen, preparedness. It's a waste of time. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, and so, because that's, and, and so I love sarcasm and I think I took some yeah. pleasure in, in writing that, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, totally unprepared. Right. I think somebody had that as a, mm-hmm. as a, uh, as a uh, uh, catchphrase somewhere in the country, but it's like, yeah, oh, and I, 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 I don't want to be prepared. You know, why would I want to do that? I wonder, I wonder how many people would have an, uh, like an emergency kit if SNL did a skit about being totally unprepared and just like walking into every situation like, oh, you know, I definitely don't want insurance to get a car accident or, you know, I, you know, who, who cares about, you know, preparing my house yeah. for a hurricane, you know, it's, just get it's, blasted. It, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a tough problem. And I think if we, if we, you know, 
if we had a good answer, we would have, we would have had it, I guess, already. But yeah, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the things um, I, I I told the staff is um, uh, that the the uh, one of the more famous advertising companies in the country is J. Walter Thompson. Hmm. Uh, their two longest clients are Ford Motor Company and the U.S. Marine Corps, right? And huh. that the, that Jay Walter has kept, and, and, and they have others, but like like the, I think Ford the Ford Motor Company has been a client of them for like a hundred and some odd years. Jeez. But but as an example, that that investment in uh, Jay Walter Thompson has kept the Ford brand consistent through time. The same with the Marine Corps, consistent through time. And, you know, it's, it's deviated a little bit, but it never lost their core. Like, again, I think, am, am I going to get like, uh, uh, could you get a homegrown inside of U.S. government idea about preparedness? You could, but, we, and we know we don't spend enough money on preparedness. So let's, let's invest in a big brand name uh, company and, and let's have them help us with this, right? Because um, now, now, is, now is the time. Look at all the, look at all the, what better... What better uh, uh, example than all the things that have happened in twenty and twenty one? Right, the year that just keeps going. Twenty one, it's, it's like a repeat. Gosh, don't say that to me. Why, why not just take advantage of all that? Right. Yeah, it's like the we, we, we have people's we have people's attention. Yeah, that's right. And there's a lot of money there too. Like there's money there. There's attention there. It's like everything's coming together. I think branding is a big thing. Um, speaking of branding and things that are happening in your end, we just mentioned Lero a little bit. Yep. Um, let's, uh, you know, let's, uh, round this out, this topic out to talk about the natural national disaster emergency management conference coming up in November. One of the podcasts that is associated with Doberman emergency management on the readiness lab is EM weekly. They're doing a live show at that conference and you are headlining there. You're going to be uh, one of the major speakers there. And so we also know that Lero is doing a booth there. Just want to let you know, our audience know that as of today, Lero is not a sponsor. We're just happy to, to promote this for, for Pete, and uh, we think it's uh, pretty exciting. So can you tell us a little bit about what Lero has been doing, what you guys are going to be doing, and yeah. then what you're going to be talking about at Endem? Yeah, so um, this is the first time that I've been to the, the expo in New York, and, and I think it's, I'm not sure it's history, but it's, uh, you know, it's, I think it started out as something different and has morphed into like emergency manager disaster um, management. Uh, so uh, I'm going to be on stage with Craig Fugate, so uh, two former administrators. We're going to uh, talk about, uh, I think, all things preparedness. We're probably going to talk about a little bit about COVID, COVID response, uh, maybe the state of play when it comes to, uh, you know, where we are as a country and preparedness and, you know, where we want to be. Um, I think there's going to be a Q&A uh, that, that's there. So I, I'm looking, first of all, I'm looking forward to get out of my house, uh, go, go to New York City, uh, meet real people or see real people again, and then obviously see Craig and and uh, try to share some of our experiences with uh, the profession. So I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, you're right. We're going to have a booth. Uh, Lero. Lero's a New York company. Uh, it's been around uh, for 30 some odd years. Mostly a company that specializes in uh, architecture, design, project management, construction management uh we don't build things but we man we manage things right uh, on the, in the construction thing uh, and we're part of a bigger company called gisi global infrastructure solutions inc uh with 13 other brother or sister companies uh mostly construction uh but lero has been in the disaster response game for a while uh mostly regional so sandy uh they, we've done some stuff in louisiana i think we did some stuff in 
uh, USVI in Puerto Rico. Uh, and, and part of the reasons I, I joined uh, is to help them expand their brand across the country. And so if you're in New York City, uh, in, uh, I think it's November 17th, 18th, um, check those dates. I'm doing it from memory. Uh, come see us. Uh, uh, be glad to talk to you about uh, anything uh, to include what Lira can do for you. And so I appreciate the, uh, the shout out, John, on, on uh, uh, my, my new company. You know, I think it's exciting that um, to, to see where you landed and see what you can bring to Lero. And, um, you know, now that we're associated with uh, EM Weekly and to, to see kind of those all those dots connected, I think it's uh, I think it's great. We've already had you on the show twice. We're probably going to have you on the show again just because you're a cool guy. Uh, but like, I, I honestly, I, I think um, what if people have the opportunity to see you in person, to be able to talk to you and to hear your perspective, especially you and Craig, Craig's been on the show as well. Um, I, I think that would be good for everyone. In fact, I know it'd be good for everyone. And so that's why I'm happy to promote it because this show is all about promoting best practice. And now you're bringing on two heavy hitters who have had a ton of practice. We talked about the election. We, you know, emergency managers work with elected officials all the time. So you're able to talk confidently to that. You're able to talk about confidently to, uh, you know, all phases of emergency management and response, recovery, mitigation. And so like, just to be able to hear that in person is great. And then um, to be able to switch over to, you know, the project management side with Lero too. Like, I think it's just good things and I'm, I'm happy to, to promote it with you guys and, yeah. um, you know, to, to move forward. So, yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. Um, uh, I, I, I've never done anything with Craig, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And I think uh, um, that he, he and I have the same outlook on, hey, we'll tell you what we did well and we'll tell you what we did bad. So, you know, lessons learned are just not positive lessons learned. <laughs> Uh, mm. things that we screwed up. I think we're both pretty uh, upfront about uh, things that uh, we could do better, whether we were the administrators or what FEMA could do better, or, you know, in, in more global, what emergency management needs to do better to be, uh, or to meet the needs of the new world we see around us, right? I think that really, I think for me is is the key. How do we change, uh, you know, the, the culture of emergency management? Uh, because we are, a, we are a young, generally immature, and I'll see that like in, you know, in, in maturations, but an immature uh, profession, right? We need to, we're going to grow. We we'll continue to grow. We've grown a, a lot in 20 and 21, right? And, and so uh, the time is right to, to uh, point those things out and uh, encourage others to, to take, take risk and, 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 and make those changes for the better. So I, I'm, I'm excited by that. That's awesome. Um, your last thoughts to emergency managers who are trying to learn a better preparedness for themselves, getting ready for the next big one, as you noted, your final thoughts. Yeah. Hey, if, if, and, and I, and I, this is one of my sticks when I went to, as the federal, the FEMA administrator is, uh, is if, if, if you, if you're from a jurisdiction that hasn't had a disaster, uh, that, that can get generally comfortable, right? Because you haven't been challenged yet. Uh, I encourage, uh, emergency managers, uh, from across the country. Uh, so whether you're a director of emergency management or you're, you know, in the, in the, in the world of emergency management, you're a mitigator, you're a planner, is uh, develop a relationship with, uh, you know, some of the more disaster-prone locales, right? Uh, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, California, right? You, you know, North Carolina. Uh, develop a relationship and see if you can get like a, uh, you know, 90-day tour, uh, like exchange tour. Hey, I'm going to go to North Carolina for 90 days and I'm going to see how they do it. And maybe you'll actually be part of a disaster response, or maybe you'd be part of a recovery. Uh, but, you know, I think some, one of our challenges in emergency management is uh, you don't get any experience 
until it happens, right? Uh, and that is not the way to operate. Uh, you should you should try to gain ex, you know get exposure of staff to to real events where you can, uh, and sometimes that's a that's a risk because you're going to send people away for a period of time. But when you get them back, you will be you will be much stronger for it. You'll be smarter. They'll be smarter. They'll be more confident. Uh, they'll bring you know uh, new lessons learned and practices back to you. Uh, so uh, you know go call a, go call one of your friends or maybe an acquaintance that you've met at a, at a conference and ask them, Hey, can I not to interfere with what you're doing, but can I come down and just spend a week with you? Right. And, and, and maybe I can help, right. Maybe I can help take some load off because I'm a professional emergency manager. Uh, but I just want to see how it, how it works. Uh, I think if we did more of that across the nation, right. Uh, I think we'd be a, a, a stronger profession. It's, it's, it can be, it can be, you know, do I, if I'm in a disaster, do I want, somebody around my neck, you know, bothering me, not necessarily, but there's a way to do it. Right. There's a way to do it. And, and uh, uh, I think it's, it's, it's better for everyone if we figure, figure that out. So uh, if you, if you're thinking about what can I do next to make my community stronger, go visit a disaster. Uh, I, I a hundred percent support that. I just learned, I just learned that big lesson this year with going to that USAR training. And everybody heard about that last week on the show about the outcomes of going to that USAR training and be able to help out. Somebody else that I never interact with was USAR, and now we're we're in close collaboration to be able to help out tactical and strategic. Yeah. Uh, huge call out. Also, you know, big call out for indi- individual uh, deployments. Sometimes FEMA's for it. Sometimes FEMA's against it. Screw everybody's against it. You just said you're for it. I'm for it. Get people out the door. Get your team out the door if possible. But get get yourself out the door. Um, and, and yeah, and, yeah. And I, I think I, John, I think FEMA's for it. You know, the national qualification thing has a ways to go. But mm-hmm. the but the but the, the the goodness in that is you get you'll get qualified right you get nationally qualified yes. and then if you can you can deploy so when I was a state director uh, you know and people want to go to disaster if they weren't qualified I'm not sending you mm. right because I'm not going to be a burden to that other di- uh, director but if you're qualified you have all the you know all the you know the checks in the box then then you're you're an asset so national qualification system I think is important it has a ways to go. But it is it is getting to this thing where we can all help each other uh, when it counts, because, you know, there's not enough of us. Yeah, uh, man, you're coming back on the show. We're going to be talking about that because I have lots of thoughts on that. <laughs> you're a good man, Pete. Thank you so much uh, nice for coming time. back on the show. You're obviously a value added. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Everybody, if you like this episode, you should have. Give us that five star rating and subscribe. We're going to put in our show notes for when the Endem conference is. So make sure you go out to that. I think Pete's right. I think it's the 17th and 18th of November. So if you're in New York City, you want to go out to New York City, learn from the man himself. See you there. Good to do it. All right. We'll see you next week. See you. Thanks, John.